Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the ha- happiest season of all. Howdy, Mark. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. You're doing all right. Great. Yourself? Yeah, very well. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. I was trying to sort the lighting situation oh, out in my oh. in my dad's lounge. I think it's good enough. I think we can work with what we've yeah, got. I, yeah, I'm in, my, I'm in my son's bedroom because my studio is being occupied at the moment. <laughs> being occupied by your son? Have you done a switcheroo? No, no, no. My son's in college now. So this is this is my safe, quiet sanctuary in the house now, his room. Love it. I was trying to think in the lead up to today, the last time we spoke, and I, I can't for the life of me recall, but we've We've obviously chatted loads over the years when I was at Kerrang Radio, Scuzz TV, Metal Hammer. Um, but it's been a good long while. It's probably pre-COVID for sure. Um, and obviously, you know, a lot's happened since then that we don't need to get into. But I reckon for the purposes of today, my friend, because I'm just so fascinated and intrigued and impressed by your, first of all, Sinatra covers record, which you put out, uh, and then the upcoming Christmas one. Um, I'm just in awe of the absolute the boldness of it first of all because i know being entrenched in this in this music wonderful musical community that punk and rock and metal fans can be a little bit fearful of of, of the outside of the box to to put it politely right and sometimes you can make these creative choices that from the outside looking in might seem strange to some people and and, and there's often a little bit of resistance from certain corners of of the musical community when people who are known for one thing in your case riffery and and hard hitting heavy rock and roll go and do something i think as amazing as what you've done with with the sinatra record and this christmas one and i want to just get into as much of it as we can in in the time that we have so first of all dude sinatra to you is that a love affair that traces right back to your childhood because for me my earliest musical memories really is like Miles Davis and Charlie Parker and stuff like that. And then Bing Cosby, Perry Cuomo, Frank Sinatra, like all of that amazing classic crooner stuff was the soundtrack to my childhood. Was that the same for you or did, did you discover and fall in love with it later on? Yeah. I mean, I remember playing hide and seek at my 
grandparents' house with my cousins and Frank Sinatra's son, you know, records are playing in the holidays. And it's just such a, uh, you know, it, it just, it's such a nice, happy place for me. Every time I hear it, it just makes me feel good. And, you know, since then, since I've, be, since I've really done the deep dive on Sinatra, I've found some, you know, moodier stuff that I love just as much or more. You know, it's not, it's not all about the Christmas songs and the, and the songs that everybody knows. He's got such a deep catalog. You can get, you can find almost anything you want when it comes to Sinatra. Um, you can find dark, you can find happy, you can find sappy, you can find anything you want. Well, if anybody's interested in, in kind of Tom Waits style stuff, for me, Frank Sinatra is probably the first to delve into that kind of maudlin after hours, you know, like the, the In the Wee Small Hours record, which obviously you've, you've covered yeah. the, the title track of that. That album, I also think, was maybe even the first album in the history it of music. Was. I was, that, that's right, is it? It was. It was. You know, the only, um, the only other artists that were doing full-length albums were um, like big orchestras. You know, it was, never, it was never pop artists. So he was the first normal commercial artist to come out with a record, and they considered it a concept record. Mm. Um, and I think that's why he wanted to put it all on one record, because he, he considered it a, 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 the first concept record. But, uh, but yeah, the, his contribution to music is is crazy it's so um you know who can say yeah my record was the first record <laughs> you know he was he was also the first artist that had people lining up for blocks and blocks and wetting their pants because they didn't want to leave their seats when he was doing a show you know it was uh you had bing crosby before him but bing didn't do that you know frank sinatra was the first time you would you would see people lose their minds and just uh, you know at the paramount theater it was first come first serve and you'd have all the bobby Soxers just pissing themselves because they didn't want to leave the seats to go to the bathroom because they'd lose their seat so you that so the theater would smell like mm-hmm. i should piss. i should <laughs> clarify at this point as well we have a phrase in the uk when you say i piss myself it means you, you you have a fit of laughter but what we're talking about here is literally soiling yourself isn't it that's right <laughs> they loved they loved him so much they would they would prefer to piss themselves and then lose their seat to the show <laughs> <laughs> how much do you know and obviously I'm, I'm not expecting you to be a you know a sinatra historian but when you go down the rabbit hole as you must have done in the lead up to making that record and and really kind of absorbing yourself in his universe how much did you read up about his life and the story of his career because there's so much drama and intrigue around him from all the mob stuff and the corruption and like you know, he's a fascinating, enigmatic figure, isn't he? Beyond just the music, like his whole lifestyle um, is shrouded in mythology. His life is one of the most interesting lives I've, I've read about. I've read all the books. You know, I've read uh, not only books about him, but about I've read books by his managers and his his daughter and his, um, you know, books about the guys who wrote his songs. And, you know, it's, I've I've. I've tried to tackle as much as I can. I wanted to know um, what I was getting into. And um, like you said, it's such an, he had such an interesting life that you don't realize the things he accomplished. You know, he, uh, I think he was in in 56 movies as well. He recorded almost 1600 songs. You know, he's, uh, he was the reason presidents got elected. Sometimes he would go and he'd bring all the celebrities in and he'd raise all these funds and he would gather all the attention. He was a big Democrat to begin with, but then, uh, John F. Kennedy kind of uh, screwed him in the end. I think he he built his house out in Palm Springs to 
when he knew that he was going to have the president um, elect come and stay with him, uh, he built this helicopter pad. He built this great, awesome estate so he could bring the president in. And then last minute, uh, the president's brother said that uh, Frank was not a good influence. So he wanted so he wanted him to go stay at Bing Crosby's house instead. So he became a Republican after that. And that's because of the mob ties, was it? No, no, the mob ties. Well, yeah, you know what? His, his reputation could have been tied to the mob ties, you know, and I think I think that got overblown. I think Sinatra just thought that dangerous thing was kind of cool and exciting to be around. I don't think he ever got into the darker side of the mob. I think he pretty much um, was at a party. He, he went down to Cuba with the guys and wanted wanted to meet uh, meet the guys and got caught in a picture with them. And that kind of everything kind of went crazy from there and, and he had to go he had to go to court he had to testify he had to do all kinds of things and it was uh i think it was way overblown hey let me ask you this in a strange turn of events is this true or is this internet rumor so you're talking about sinatra influencing presidents is there a film in the works about reagan in which your creed bandmate scott stapp is playing frank sinatra because that seems too crazy to me to be true yeah you know when i was when I was, I was practicing singing like Sinatra for a couple of years. And then I got the diagnosis with my daughter had Down syndrome and I wanted to do this ch record for charity. Um, we went through all the steps of getting a hold of the Sinatra estate, um, getting approvals from the Sinatra estate to, to do this record, which was a huge, that was the biggest achievement of, of them all because the Sinatra estate, as you can gather, get calls every day to get stuff licensed and, and to perform it. They don't, they don't say yes to hardly anybody. So when we got the approval, uh, we were really excited about it. Then I get the news that Scott's playing Frank Sinatra in a movie because it came across the uh, came across on the web. I was blown away. I thought it was more than a more than winning a lottery ticket to have Scott playing Sinatra, me singing it, and us both not knowing each other was doing it. That's was the, the thing. There was no communication between the two. None whatsoever. So. Um, so I just, uh, I don't know what's going on with that movie now. I haven't heard any updates. Um, I, I'll ask Scott next time. I think I'm going to see Scott on Wednesday. I'll have to bring that up. But uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I got excited and cut you up there. So what were you going to say? The analogy of having those two things, you know, in succinct come together. Mind blowing, right? It was, in, it was incredible. I mean, the odds of that happening uh, were just, just mind blowing. I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, and uh, at one part of me was I was I was like, you know what? It's kind of a shame that they're happening at the same time, because I wanted this Sinatra record to be so far out of left field that nobody would have ever seen it coming. But now if Scott's doing this movie and I'm doing this. It looks like a like we planned this together. And you're here today to confirm that it was definitely not planned or discussed. I love that. Just pure. 100 percent. And when the when the uh, when Charles Pignon from the estate called my manager he's like what's going on here what's going on with this movie thing you're trying to back you know what what do you what's why didn't you tell me about this my manager's like i had that nothing to do with this <laughs> love it so, yeah it's weird well there's nothing stranger than fiction uh, there's nothing stranger than fact i was gonna say Sorry. absolutely <laughs> the truth absolutely. is stranger than fiction sometimes um you mentioned a couple of things there that i'd love to to dig into a little more uh the first being entering into that orbit um you know there's very few artists there's you know, there's Dolly Parton and Elvis and the Beatles and 
there's these songwriters and these cultural figures that are so ubiquitous uh, and, and with that comes so many levels and layers of business and copyright and all of these things so uh, i obviously you know wouldn't expect you to recall the whole process now but give me a little bit of an insight into from the idea to the pitch and navigating those meetings and moments and just because yeah. it's fasc fascinating to me when you step because you know you're an experienced successful artist that's travailed the heights um but this is a whole other level behind the curtain isn't it this was definitely a huge you know i i credit my manager um for tackling this because it was a mountain of things to of hurdles to get past to get this done so i fell in love with you know i've always loved sinatra like i said but i've really had one of those nights where i uh couldn't fall asleep. I'm on YouTube and I'm digging up all this old um, Sinatra history. And I came across the song as you that he did in 1943 and it blew me away. And I'm like, you know what? I want to sing like this. I want to practice just for fun, just as a guitar player, as you're a young guitar player, you hear a guitar player, you're like, I got to play that. And you'd sit down for hours and do it. I did the same thing with Sinatra. And um, I was lucky enough to have the same vocal range as, as Frank Sinatra. So I could, I could practice it and, uh, it's not like I was trying to sing Chris Cornell. I couldn't do that, you know? So I was practicing. It was during, it was at the beginnings of COVID. I had all the time in the world to take my son to soccer practice every day for like three hours a day and the parents couldn't get out of the car. So I'd sit in the car and I would analyze how he sang. Um, and once I felt pretty good about it, I, I, called my manager. I said, you know what? I want to put together a local band. I want to find some local musicians. I want to find a couple trombone players, saxophone players, put them all together and go start playing some unannounced shows at restaurants or something just for fun. He's like, why in the hell you, would you do that? My guitar teacher growing up was Dan McIntyre who toured with Frank Sinatra. I'm like, you're kidding me. Yeah. He's like, well, why don't we get the real guys, the guys that toured with Frank Sinatra? So my manager set up a meeting with Mike Smith, and Dan McIntyre, and at and at one point, Mike Smith was the band leader for Frank Sinatra's live touring band. So he tells me he's like, "These are no nonsense guys, man. You got to know your stuff. They will they'll shoot you down in a half second." So he sits down, has lunch with them, tells them the story, and the guys are like, "Can your boy sing?" And my manager had never heard me sing any Sinatra stuff, so I got on my phone and I just did the "They Call." Yeah, I sang "Luck to Be a Lady" over the phone for him. It's like, oh, great. So we set up a, um, so then we had, then we had the guys were like, you know what, we'll do it, but you got to make sure that the family will let you do it. And uh, that's, that's the toughest thing. That's, that's near impossible. So my manager just stuck with it, kept on calling, kept on pleading our case, said, not only, not only do we have the guys who toured with Frank, we have, um, we're doing this for charity. Um, and uh, little by little, uh, Charles Pignon, who who runs the their business, started started agreeing and and uh, with the project and gave us a shot. He just said, "You can do this, but I don't want somebody who's just going to mimic Frank Sinatra and do exactly what he does. I want you to do your own arrangements." So we did half the record true to Frank's arrangements and half the record, our own arrangements. He's like, I need at least three or four songs that are your, if we're going to support this, we need songs that we can put on seriously Sinatra radio and we can promote that aren't, that don't sound like the original versions. So we did an arrangement of my way. That's with a, you know, nylon string guitar, very, very 
stripped down more of a ballad version of my way we did i fall in love too easily which was um had no rhythm section we added drums to it we you know things like that we just did our own version of, of half the record so they finally agreed to it we turned it in they loved it um one of the coolest things that's ever happened was uh the frank sinatra ever happened to me the frank sinatra bar and lounge opened up in nashville and charles Pignon called and invited me to sing at the grand opening of this tina sinatra was there so i remember uh charles was like hey uh tina's on her way she'd love to meet you and i was standing out in front and tina sinatra walked straight up to me and she's like the nicest woman in the world she said I, she said she loved the record um and i sang my way to her as she held my wife's hand in, in this in this restaurant and that was like you know singing my way to tina sinatra as she held my wife's hand was was i'll never forget it that's bringing a tear to my eye mate so uh, <laughs> i can only imagine how emotional and incredible that would have been for you and as you say as you as you sort of alluded to a couple of times the the kind of the driving force behind the project am i right in thinking was to raise awareness and money for down syndrome charities both in the us yes. and the uk um two of my dear friends from college charlotte and david uh gave birth to a daughter i think two years ago now um with mm -hmm. down syndrome called lila uh, lila the smiler they call her yeah. and, and um what's been lovely and really inspiring and heartwarming about the journey which they've shared of, you know, this is their first child as well. So they're not only going into this whole new territory of, of Down syndrome, but also just being parents for the first time. So it's, you know, the whole gambit and and the stuff that they've sort of given me and, and other people on Instagram and stuff insight into is how much having a child with that condition really changes your worldview and your interactions with everybody on a base level for the better in so many pos like positive, joyful, wonderful ways. Uh, I wonder if you could share a little bit about... Um, what being a father to somebody with Down syndrome has, has maybe taught you about yourself, about, um, you know, the world, about life, because it does seem to be like a gift, a, a real gift. Um, Absolutely. What's you know, your we, daughter's name, first of all? Stella. Her name's Stella. Stella. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've got a saying in the Down syndrome community called we're the lucky few. You know, it's uh, you'll never meet a parent that says, you know, that's, that feels down about having a child with Down syndrome. It, they it's always stories about how these folks become the anchors of their family and everybody loves them so much. And there's just such, such sweet individuals. And, uh, that's been true for us. I, I like to tell new parents, you know, just wait, you're, you're in for a fun ride. This is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's different, but it's just as, it's, it, there's just as much love there and it's, there's just as much excitement and the journey is just as, as much fun. And, uh, we've, uh, we've realized that the down syndrome community is so supportive and there's so many organizations across the country that uh, there's an endless amount of support you know there are health obstacles and we've had to have open heart surgery for our daughter but uh it went off on without a hitch and she's perfectly healthy now and um other than having a cold at the moment that she can't beat but she's uh sweetest thing in the world um since she's been born she has done so many things for all of our friends. She has raised so much money for charity. You know, we've raised well over a million dollars last year for, for charity in her name. Tomorrow we're announcing the Smile with Stella Tremonti Down Syndrome Clinic, which is the first in the, in the Southeast of America. That's a lifespan clinic. So that's probably my, my life's 
fa- my favorite achievement in life is opening up this medical clinic with Advent Health. Advent Health is one of the biggest healthcare providers in the United States. And this is the first clinic of its kind, like I said, in the southeast of the United States. And um, we just, uh, tomorrow's our big press day for the launch of it. Well, I've got you on a very exciting evening then. The, yeah. The night before all that gets shared. Um, I love it, man. I love it a bit. So, um, and, and obviously the, the project, um, the Sinatra record helped raise loads of money as well. Um, so not only are you kind of successfully tapping into your hero's catalog, winning the approval of, of the estate, you know, you've got this really personal driving force behind the whole thing. And it's, it must have opened up so many musical connections. Obviously, metal is so, you know, it's a real community. And that's one of the things that everybody who's in it loves about it. But this is like a whole other, um, you know, arm to, to, to your musical existence, really. Uh, and in terms of the shows that you've played and the people you must have met um, doing these live shows, I know you were here in the UK. Was it la- the Christmas before last or was it yes. last Christmas you were over here? Uh, it, was, it was last Christmas. So what, what sort of fans are you meeting at these shows? Um, are there fellow parents of, of, of children with Down syndrome? And are there like just straight up hardcore crooner fans that have never heard Creed or Alter Bridge? And is there like heavy metal dudes rolling up in suits? Like, give me a, you know, a snapshot of the cross spectrum of everybody who's been coming out to the Sonata, the Tremonti Sing Sinatra. Yes. So the very first show we did, it was all um, pretty much Alter Bridge fans at first because Alter Bridge was... Uh, active at the time so all the ultra bridge fans came out and this is the first time i saw all these folks i'd see all the time and they're dressed in their suits and their dresses and uh mm-hmm. everybody loved everybody said you know they loved getting dressed up for the evening and um i only met one one fan who's like this is the last time you'll see me in a suit <laughs> but first, um first and last yeah <laughs> that's right that's right so we did that show and it was all rock fans but then as time went on um now we're doing theaters we're doing theaters where they have mailing lists and they'll send mailers out to all the people who buy tickets to the opera or the ballet or the play or this and that, anybody who goes to the theater. So they all hear Sinatra and you have all these older folks coming to the shows and I'll have friends come back and tell me like, yeah, I just went to the bathroom and I overheard these people talking about how it reminds them of their childhood and how great, and they never heard of you before. And they just came out because it's Sinatra's music and they enjoyed themselves. So it's good to, it's good to see it's branching out to different, different audiences and um you know the next big show we have is december 16th um which will be our biggest show yet here in orlando we'll have the choir out there we'll have 17 piece brass and a huge string section and i'm trying to convince miles to come out and join me for a song and trying to get scott phillips to get up there and play a song on the drums and um it'll be a great i'm gonna film it all for a dvd hopefully what an exciting time, man. You know, you're you're one of the most prolific and busy and consistently creative people in any musical lane, you know, not just the alternative one. And like, you know, is it seven albums Old Bridge have done, seven studio albums with them? You've done five solo albums, obviously, you know, all the Creed catalog. Uh mm-hmm. as if that's not enough. Um you de- you <laughs> me and Miles are fighting for that. Me and Miles, <laughs> I think I think I might have Miles by one record now. I think I've I've done eighteen albums. I think he's done seventeen. He's work, he's in the studio right now working on his eighteenth record. I think. Well, yeah. having spent you know a bit of time with you two over the years, uh, not only are you two are the nicest people in music, but what I love is is the level of quality. You know, sometimes when people step out of their day jobs, let's call it that, the side projects don't often match in terms of you know just quality and 
I don't want to say heart and soul because I think anybody who's creative puts their heart and soul into everything they do. But sometimes it feels like these sort of side projects have been phoned in a little bit. But you guys are meticulous with your attention to detail, with the care, um, the execution. And like what seems to be great is that there's no ego or awkwardness from the outside looking in. You know, sometimes business can kind of dictate certain boundaries and perimeters. You guys seem to have this flow dialed in where like when Alter Bridge is taking time off, maybe Creed's kicking up again or Miles is going out with Slash or you're doing solo stuff or Miles is doing solo stuff. Um, it must be a bit of a minefield to work all that out. But as I said, from oh, hitting my lamp, but from the outside looking in, it does seem like, you know, you guys are just very superfluous and, and easygoing with all of that stuff. Is that a correct yeah. assumption? Yeah, you know, I think it, um, you know, when you're in your first band, you, I think people get more possessive or more protective of their bandmates. They don't want them to do anything outside of the band because you worry about losing them. You, you you worry about losing your band. But with Alter Bridge, we came together after being parts of other bands. So we were more open-minded. So when when Miles got the call to go uh, play with the guys from Led Zeppelin, you know, we weren't scared. We were excited. You know, it's like, wow, our singer's getting that call. That's, that's amazing. It's, it can only... What's the saying? Uh, high waters raise all ships, right? So when Slash had reached out to have Miles sing with him, um, at first it was just, I think Slash did a record where he had multiple singers and Miles was just one of them. Yeah. Um, we were excited. You know, we thought Slash is such a big, credible, great player that it's just going to raise the uh, awareness of, of Alter Bridge. So Miles, go do it. Um now, when uh, Miles goes out and tours with Slash, I can go tour with Tremonti. And when he's not with Slash, he can tour with Miles, with his own solo band. And um, there's always something we can do. And uh, as long as we keep being productive and we don't take too much time off in between any of these projects, we can keep them all alive. You know, and, uh, you know, Creed is kicking back up again. You know, we're going back out with Creed in April. So we'll get we'll April. get there, my friend, because yeah. in fact, let, let's jump. Let's jump into that real quick now. So. I've done several cruises with Sixth Man. Uh, I'm about to go and do another one in a couple of weeks, in fact. So I've done Flogging Molly. Uh, there was an emo one that I did, and I actually got invited by Gene and Paul to go on the, the last Kiss cruise and, and nice. do a DJ set and host some live mm -hmm. Q&As with them. It's like one of the greatest honors of my life. So I'm well familiar with, with the whole setup with the cruises. Um, and this is obviously you know your first shows in, in however many years. So how do you link up with the, the cruise company? How is that idea pitched as opposed to, say, a more traditional, we'll go out and do some arena shows or whatever? Because they are going to be the first Creed shows, right, is on those those two two back-to-back -back cruises that you're doing. They are. You know, I, I remember talking to my manager after we had done Shiprocked Cruise. And, I, and um, our, our agent, um, he puts on the pair of, Parahoy cruise, I forget what it's called, it's the Paramore cruise. And he says it's a very successful, great cruise. So he was familiar with with uh, Six Man through that. So I had come up with the idea. I'm like, why don't we put together a cruise like a 90s based kind of thing where we get Creed and all the bands that were big at the time. And uh so I always I call my manager every day and stick him on 10 different projects. So he's always, I don't know how he keeps up with it, but um, is Tim your manager as well, or is he just yes. Alt yeah. No, Tim, Tim. Yeah. Great Tim guy. Manages, great guy. Yeah. Tim manages Miles' solo band, my solo band, Alter Bridge. Um, the three members that are in Alter Bridge and in Creed's kind of thing. And then um Seven Dust. You know, he manages Seven Dust as well. But um, you know, we we thought 
the cruise would be a, just a nice, easy way to get back. You know, it's been over 10 years since Creed has done a show. So it'd be a good way to, uh, a soft launch, you know, just to get in there, do a cruise. Uh, sometimes when you dive into a whole three month tour, it can be a little hectic. So why not just test the waters with that? Literally. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, um, you know, we thought, we thought it would be well attended, but we didn't know, uh, you know, the six man folks, I think they said in their 21 years of business, that was the quickest they've ever sold out a cruise. And they said, why don't we do another one? So we, we put out another one five days later. So we're doing two cruises and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be announcing some other stuff, um, you know, hopefully soon. Exciting times, exciting times. And, you know, they've done about 10 cruises with Kiss. And so, you know, that therefore Creed is is a higher selling <laughs> ticket outlet than don't Kiss. Put that, don't put out that out there. It's what they say behind closed doors. They're trying to make me feel good. Go tell Gene that. He'll be livid. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So um, let me ask you this, as a, uh, as a guitarist and a singer, um, and you've kind of collaborated extensively over the years with two really unique, really talented, larger-than-life singers, um, one's obviously more of a larger-than-life frontman than the other, one's just like you know, the most amazing vocalist of all time ever. Um, when does your real confidence in your own voice begin to develop? Because sometimes, I guess, when you're standing next to guys like that, you know, you could perhaps risk being a little bit intimidated, uh, or is it more the case because you're no more for like being a shredder and a guitarist that actually singing for you is more just like um, easy going, dare I say, and kind of just fun? Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, worry at all about singing. Like if you said go sing in front of the president, I'll be all right, all right, let's do this, let's have fun. I, I'm like on the uh, on the Creed cruise, I'm going to host karaoke night. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Will you be I doing any karaoke. Sinatra on the boat? I mean, that's a given, right? Oh, I'm singing Sinatra on the boat. Yeah, for sure. I'm. I'm I'll be singing all all kinds of different. Not not just Sinatra, but uh, give me some of your go to karaoke songs, Mark. After a couple of beers on a Friday night, what are we hitting out? <laughs> night shift by the Commodores. Ooh, that's a big one. Um, 
I like Dock of the Bay. Classic. Um, Wh- whistle solo and all. Absolutely. I like the Climax Blues Band, I Love You. Don't know that um, one. No, that's no. Uh, if you heard it, you'd probably know it. Um, um, Benny gosh. King, Stand By Me is my go-to one. I love that one. That's a good one. Absolutely. Um, Karaoke so much fun, songs. isn't it? Post, the Postman. Yeah. Marvelous. That one. Uh, but I like to sing songs that aren't rock songs. The only, the only rock songs I'll sing is uh, I'll sing Rebel Yell sometimes. I love that's one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, but I like that. I like when you do karaoke, like step out of the box, do something different. Of course, because otherwise it's like, yeah, we know we can do that, but we didn't yeah. know we could do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How's Scott doing and how are you, how are you and him these days? You in a good place? Yeah, he seems to be doing well. I mean, we've um, we got together. I've seen him twice in the past month. We did a photo shoot for the um, for the cruise launch, and then I just got together with him uh, just this week. We're going to be flying. I'm going to see him on Wednesday. It's top secret, but we're going out for uh, there's a sporting team that uh, has been really believing in Creed and um, using our music to pump them up to win all these games so we're going to go surprise the team on wednesday so i'll see him again then um but oh, mate, no, it, really, I think, it really is all go at the moment in your world isn't it yeah oh yeah it's uh it's crazy right now we've got two teams um we've got the texas rangers and the and the minnesota vikings that are both talking in the press how about how they're using creed's music to get them excited about uh, winning some games so it's it couldn't be better timing for you know creed coming back after all these years yeah, Creed are a really interesting entity to me because obviously coming from the UK, and I'm sure you'll be aware of this because you come over here all the time, you yeah. know the UK culture. Creed, apart from a couple of songs and like horror films in, in the tail end of the 90s, I guess The Faculty was one, maybe one of the Scream films, yeah, Scream yeah. 3, maybe. Uh, but like other than those, we weren't really that switched on to Creed. At least I wasn't. And I was always into, you know, all of that, the music of that time. Um, and they were one of those, I think Breaking Benjamin perhaps was another one there. There were certain bands that were obviously, and still are massive, massive in America, but didn't really come over to this side of the pond. So did you find when you're starting Alterbridge, did you find that it was actually easier to kind of make inroads in the UK and Europe than perhaps in the States? Cause there wasn't that, you know, oh, these guys are just the guys from Creed. This is just Creed, but with a different singer kind of, you know, lazy comparisons because because we didn't really have that looming shadow of Creed over here. Did you find it was easier to introduce Alter Bridge on this side of the pond? hundred percent. You know, I think when, when we got, when we started Alter Bridge in the States, we were just Creed part two to everybody. We were the old, they, any kind of comment people could do to, to shoot us down at the beginning, because at, at the time Creed was the, one of the biggest bands in the States. And uh, you had this love hate thing. So you had a lot of people trying to drag, you know, it's just human nature, isn't it? Where you have somebody doing well and you, you know, you want the underdog to take them down. We were, we were the, we were the top dog at the time and people wanted to see us, uh, taken down. Some people did. So, um, when we started alter bridge back up in the States, it took us three records to shape the creed thing and, and have people, um, you know, give it, you know, have, have positive reactions to it. So, but right out of the gate, the UK was great. I think we, uh, every time we play London, we say, you know, we owe our careers to as Alter Bridge to London and to the UK in general, because it took off right away. Um, at the time, I feel like 
the music was uh, people love tenor vocals there. They love guitar solos there. They love that, that hard rock thing, melodic hard rock, and it just uh, it just fit well. And thank thank God we we did that because we spent we've spent done I don't know how many tours now in in, uh, in Europe, but that's kind of our our home base for Alter Bridge. Well, I think as well there was a really nice sort of collective group of similar in some senses bands that came up around the same time bands that i used to love playing on kerrang radio when i worked on their bands like obviously yourselves blackstone cherry hailstorm this great wave and i know you've toured loads of those guys and for mm -hmm. me i kind of like lump you all together not necessarily sonically but just in terms of bands who landed around the same time and have, mm -hmm. have soared you know from like academy bands to like o2 arena bands in 10 years it's amazing yeah it's been, you know, everybody says this about uh, European fans that um, if you keep coming, you keep on putting out records that that don't get worse one after the other. You I was going to say, as long as they don't suck. Yeah, yeah you know. You then keep we'll on come for out, you. <laughs> yeah, you keep on putting out stuff that your fans appreciate and you keep on touring, they're going to keep coming back. It's not, uh, America can be fickle. You know, it could be huge one day and gone the next. Um, but, uh, you know, if it wasn't for, the American rock scene, we wouldn't have a career to begin with. So it's, uh, there's the best of both worlds there that we got. Is it a heavy burden to bear being in a band as successful as Creed was? I know it's like, oh, the successful rock star saying, woe is me. But like, I'll sort of phrase it and set it up for you. So it doesn't seem like you're going, you know, get the world's smallest yeah. violin out. But like, when you are, as you say, massive, you're like a diamond selling band. You know, not many rock bands can say they've done that. Millions of albums sold. Um, was it, hard on you emotionally taking all of that slack that criticism that negativity from certain areas or do you think because you weren't the front man perhaps scott bore the brunt of that a little bit more and it was more people coming after him than the band itself and were you able to kind of deflect some of it or did it you know depress the hell out of you at times as well because people, no, no, be, people can be mean it was brutal it was brutal it was um i had to get to the point where i would tell people don't tell me any ne anything negative you know, it's uh, even if you're selling 10 million records, there's going to be those 10,000 comments that drive you nuts, you know. So it's uh, I'm lucky to have been able to do the Alter Bridge thing where in Creed we sold tons of records, but we also had tons of haters. With Alter Bridge, we didn't sell as many records, but we had all the love. You know, there wasn't any haters. It was all except for at first when we got together, like I said, in the States and people just considered us Creed part two. Um, we got the critical. Um, approval with alter bridge and um i think being able to do both the bands i got to see both sides of the fence you know what do you enjoy more being this critically accepted band that has to you know struggle to stay on tour because it's you know um more of a niche thing or the big band that doesn't get the respect from certain circles um and it's you know it's 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 good to be able to see both sides of that fence and uh now when you meet bands you can understand where everybody's coming from yeah, absolutely. And like how much at this stage in the game, I mean, you've kind of experienced all there is to experience. So, I mean, obviously you're working all the time, but assumedly the moment you weren't loving it, you'd go on to something else, right? So it's safe to say even X amount of years in, it's still like, you know, the thing you love to do the most. Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, I, I try to dive into a lot of different things and it's funny when I started doing the jazz, you know, the Sinatra thing, I, uh, I'm like, is it weird that this is my favorite thing to do right now? Because I spent my whole life doing hard rock. And um, 
and that's just things happen in waves. You know, when you do something new and exciting to you, it kind of takes over. Um, and sometimes it's good to reset like that. You know, when I go back to Alter Bridge now and, and get to put my rock hat back on, I'll be fresh and exciting again, you know, because I got to step away and go into a different different world for a while. Who fellow band wise? I know Paul Stanley's obviously a big fan of, of the crooners. He put out a, a kind of mm -hmm. a soul style record i had him on the show around that time he he did a great job with that one as well who within the kind of hard rock heavy metal community musician and artist wise has, has reached out and been like yo that sinatra album's amazing and even could i get involved in a bit of that you know it's been Is there any of them been, it's been crazy you know it's um i could have written a hundred rock records and never gotten the attention of some of these folks but uh I know right out of the gate, Steve Stevens reached out and said that he wanted to, he was very, uh, you know, he wanted to be, take a chance for charity. I, I started this thing called take a chance for charity. It's, it's challenging other people to do something like this, do something that their fans wouldn't expect, do it to raise money. So Steve reached out. Um, I had, um, gosh, all kinds of folks, you know, Paul Stanley is one of the folks that, that commented really, you know, reached out and, uh, gave me a great quote for the release of the record. Um, I remember I was on tour opening up for Judas Priest and I'm, I walk into catering and Rob Halford sees me. He's like, come here. That record is beautiful. He said, your Sinatra record is beautiful. And, uh, Slash heard the record and he gave me a great quote on it. He was very supportive of it. He, he said he loved it. Um, the producer of Frank Sinatra's duets record, Hank, um, you know, who's his biggest, his biggest selling record of his career, um, you know, gave us a lot of great quotes for the record. Um, one of the coolest things that's happened also is uh, I was having a bad day. I was on tour. I was over in Europe. Forget what was going on. I might have been getting sick or something on tour, and I was just kind of not feeling well. And uh, I get this text from my buddy, Tom Robb. Tom works security for Metallica and Robert Plant, all these huge bands. Great guy. Um, but anyways, he was taking Robert Plant to Bonnaroo, and he said, while I was driving in my car, I'm like, hey, Robert, you want to listen to something? He played in my Sinatra record. And he said, he said, Robert Plant loved it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Robert Plant, of all people, would have never listened to anything I ever did, you know, outside of this. So it's it's great that something like this can be heard by somebody like that. You know, it's uh, for a guy like me, that's untouchable, unbelievable. It's the ultimate seal of approval, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what Absolutely. about you boys? What about Miles and Scott? What did they have to say as as fellow bandmates, but also fellow singers? Was there any insight from from, from either of them into their you know deepest thoughts? I haven't gotten I haven't gotten to talk about it with Scott Stapp yet, but uh, Miles has always been real supportive. You know, he 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 loved it um, right out of the gate. I think I think the first song I played him was Nancy with the laughing face, and he he said something like, Oh, it's, it's uh magical or something like that. You know, something really nice. You know, he's, uh, he's always been very supportive and that's why I want to get him out when we do this Christmas show. I want him to get out there and sing with these guys. Hell yeah. Well, the thing with you two is, you know, cause not everybody maybe knows this, but like, as well as being an amazing guitarist, you're obviously an amazing singer, but miles is an amazing guitarist as well. Isn't he? He's amazing. He's, he's really amazing. He's, he's, uh, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm like, wow, he's way better than I am. He's he's a great he's a great improviser. He's a great uh he know he's he's a theory based, he's a jazz guy, you know. So he's uh 
I think he would shock a lot of people if they just sat down and played with him. He's he's got some of the best vibrato I've ever heard, and a lot of people agree with me on that. He's uh, no, a lot of people didn't know. Like he, when he was a kid, there was this um, guitar competition in the Pacific Northwest with like 180 contestants, and he won first place. Uh, and he just got tired of having to deal with singers, so he started singing himself. And uh, when I reached out to him to sing for Alter Bridge, I had no idea he played guitar so well. I thought he was more of like a strummy. Because when you listen to the Mayfield 4 stuff, um, I knew he played guitar in the Mayfield 4, but um, that was more just, there's not tons of guitar solos and stuff in there. So when uh, when he was over at my house and we were working on the first record, um, I remember walking upstairs and I heard him, and I heard the guest, some jazz coming out of the guest room and I knocked on the door to say goodnight and it was him playing. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? That was you playing this? You never told me you were that good. And uh, that's when the Blackbird record started. I'm like, you're playing guitar on this record. This is will be our secret weapon to have somebody as good as you as, a, as another guitar player in this band. I remember seeing Queensryche as a kid and I, they had two big guitar players. I was like, wow, what a great thing to have, you know, not just one at the time. And uh, so I thought, why not get Miles on there? And Miles now, you know, he takes leads on on records and I take vocals on records, you know, so we get to we get to enjoy each other's uh, generosity when it comes to being able to do each other's roles. Yeah, it's the double threat with you two. And obviously, you know, I, I would presume the hardcore fans know this, but like something that's worth mentioning and again i'll mention it so you don't have to is that a lot of the melodies and the songs right in creed were just as much you as they were scott so you've always been that melody guy as well as you know the straight up let's shred and riff and and crunch them with the guitar and that's evident in every even your solo stuff which is that bit heavier obviously than alter bridge and creed there's still at the core of it songs and melodies and hooks and that's obviously where you come from first and foremost as a songwriter absolutely i would uh you know, I would get frustrated younger in my when I was younger when people would just say, "Yeah, you're just the guitar." You know, I just don't melody guitar. So you are, Mark. <laughs> I'm just you're just the guitar guy. Um, I spend most of my time writing songs. You know, if if uh, the guitar, the lead guitar thing, really takes up twenty percent of my productivity when I'm working. You know, it's always the songs, writing songs. Um, the guitar solo stuff comes last minute when I'm trying to. When you have to record a record, then you're like, all right, I got nine solo breaks I got to work on. Now it's time to put this, learn everything you can before the record's recorded kind of thing. So, but yeah, when I get the, when I get the chills from writing something, it's not, it's not guitar stuff. It's, it's vocal stuff and melodies. So it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas as we approach the end of the conversation. Let's get into the Christmas album. I, yeah. I, I love Christmas so much. I actually don't enjoy the day itself because I'm like, I'm 37, I'm single. All my friends have got, you know, families. I'm every year just at home with my parents. Like, oh my God, loser of the year right here. I never feel more single than at Christmas. The rest of the year, I love being a bachelor. I'm out in the world touring and adventuring and, you know, just doing what I want. But then it gets to Christmas and I'm like, man, this is lonely. So that part of it, not so much a fan, but Christmas movies, Christmas music, the whole sentiment and magic around that time of year is. For me, the stuff of life, uh, and it reminds us the potential of, of forgiveness and love and generosity and compassion. I think all of these really important human themes come to the focus around Christmas time if you choose to let them in. Um, and so I've always had a huge affinity with Christmas music. 
it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas being probably my favorite Christmas song yeah. of all time. Just like all the skits and bits in it as well. Um, so you've done Sinatra, you've, you've knocked that out of the park. Are you kind of pretty early on after that sort of thinking, uh, I've lo- lost you on the side of, there we go, you're back. Are you thinking this could be next? Like, where does the Christmas idea come from? And then let's talk about, you know, delving into this world and making this record a bit. Yeah. So the reason I got into the Frank Sinatra stuff in the first place is because I would sing Christmas songs and I was like, you know, it feels really good. This, this suits my voice better than rock and roll does, you know, because when I'm singing the rock and roll stuff, I'm always stretching my voice and rasping it out. And it's, uh, I, to this day, I don't really love my rock singing voice. Um, I enjoy singing this stuff more um, because it's my real voice. It's not me trying to color it to try to hit too high a note or trying to scream over something. It's just, it's just singing my pure voice. And uh, it just always felt good. So when I did the Sinatra record, um, people were like, Hey, you should do a Christmas record. I, I saw a bunch of comments, people saying that. And I was like, I would love, you know, this, this is the first, uh, you know, opportunity for me to be able to do something like this. If I just flat out cold came out with a Christmas record, I think people would be like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, but now that I've done the Sinatra record, um, I think people won't be as shocked about it. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I have the 17 piece brass on there, uh, same cast of characters from the Sinatra record, but then I've added 23 stringed instruments, a whole percussion, you know, timpani and a whole room of percussion. And then, um, a choir and the choir was one of the coolest things i've ever gotten to do and, and uh were you there for the recording day with them obviously oh yeah i sang yeah. along with them um wow. the first time i sang with them was uh 10 a.m in the morning when your voice is not awake yet these guys are these guys and girls are professionals they're incredible um so at 10 a.m in the morning i had to sing the first noel with the choir professional choir and it was pretty uh it was awesome you know like i said i don't get nervous when i sing but you know you got to turn I, it on. <laughs> if I was to get nervous, it's going to be with a choir that are very particular about every little note, every little pitch, every little timing thing. Every uh, uh, it's funny when you put when you have their music charts out there. Every little do da dee dee da da da. They get every little note, every little phrase, every little vowel. Um, they were they were awesome. Um, I think. I think some of the most epic songs, you know, with Alter Bridge, we try to, and a lot of moodier band, rock bands like to write these more epic kind of um, larger than life things, you know, and we've always, since we wrote the song Blackbird, we're always chasing down that big, that big sound. But I don't think there's anything more epic than those big church Christmas songs, the Old Holy Night and the First Noel. Those songs are just with the choir. It's, uh, Real magic, man. Real magic. Absolutely. I love that stuff. Hey, so uh, tell, can you tell me which Christmas songs, other than the ones out, are, are going to be on the album? Or are we keeping that a surprise? Can we at least delve into some maybe artists featured or covered, yeah. I should say? No, so uh, we're doing, so the most wonderful time of the year, um, Jingle Bells. Um, I did the, the old Sinatra version of Jingle Bells. Um, the Christmas song which we just released. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a original song called Christmas Morning, and I'm shocked that nobody's written a song about Christmas morning. But uh, my, I remember my dad always telling me, you need to write a Christmas song. I'm like, I can't, you know, I'm a rock guy. The rock guys don't write Christmas songs. Um, so finally I got to write my Christmas song. 
Um, When's that one coming out? That's going to come out on the day the record comes out, I believe. Uh, And then uh, the first Noel, Let It Snow. Amazing. Um, For the diehard fans. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and. uh, Which is a Christmas movie. (laughs) That's right. And then um, Oh Holy Night. Um, uh, uh, so sadly, then, uh, no, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I'm detecting. No, no, that'll be, that'll, be, that'll be the second record. That's the sequel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, um, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Ooh. I love those. So, so the, the record has a lot of different vibes. You have the old holy night and the, and the first Noel, which is the, the big churchy choir thing. And then you have the Christmas song and have yourself a merry little Christmas, which is just a bass bass guitar piano drums real stripped down then you have the fun jingle bells santa claus is coming to town um most wonderful time of the year which is just the big big band kind of vibe crooner thing and then uh this um this christmas which is one of my favorite tunes you know that's uh you know that's that's definitely a different vibe that's the last track on the record uh but that's uh i didn't know if i was going to be able to pull that one off but it uh but I, i enjoy the way it turned out let me ask you this. Other than your partner and your children, your family, is there anything in this world that brings you more joy than singing Christmas songs? Because if there is, so. I want to know it. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely love Christmas songs. And it's, it's funny because I finished this record. I recorded it in April. And um, it's been a real challenge talking about it and getting it out there and releasing songs because nobody wants to hear Christmas until Thanksgiving time. You know, and it's, everybody's like, yeah, don't, don't play Christmas songs right now. Let's get it, Halloween it, out of the way first kind of thing. Yeah. It weirds people out. So I'm sitting on this record. I'm really excited about, but it's, but I can't put it out yet. So it's, uh, I'm excited. Well, dude, I'm excited and I'm excited for you. And um, just what a, an amazing chapter of your life and your musical journey and, and to have, you know, the kind of, I don't want to say closure because I know Creed have kind of, I guess, never really officially broken up, maybe really. You know, and I know that those wounds have, have kind of healed a while ago. So, but what a celebratory return to set sail with them. Uh, obviously, Alter Bridge is always killing it and doing its thing. Um, you know, Miles is out there doing his thing, and you're doing the Tremonti records. I'm sure you'll be at ten of them soon enough. And then yeah. to do all of this stuff now. And what's great is that, like, you know, rock and roll. Although the likes of Ozzy and Angus Young and these legends have shown us otherwise it's kind of a young man's game right whereas the crooning stuff you could be up on stage when you're 90 years old knocking those tunes out and, oh, and yeah. that that must be cool to know that like eventually maybe if you want to step away from the amps for a while you know that there's always going to be a club where you can pick up a microphone <laughs> that the, oh, yeah. the orchestra can start up and there's always going to be a crowd wanting to hear that stuff because it's just as it's proven because the music's already you know nearly a hundred years old in some cases the actual compositions mm-hmm. that music is timeless man absolutely it's definitely my uh my retirement plan get up there and sing sinatra for the rest of my life i would <laughs> i would love it i want to do more of it you know i've only done like i said six or seven shows and after you know we've got a show in january three three in january one in december um but after that i want to book as much as i can it's um it just needs to get more well known out there so i can do more shows more often hell yeah well, listen, when you're next over here, I would love to bring my friends uh, with their daughter, Lila, down to a show to say hello to I me. Would, I would love it. I know love that would it. mean a lot to them. And um, I'll get all the information for all the charities and everything linked to the show so people can read up more about them on here. 
and yeah, it's always lovely catching up with you, mate. And I'm just, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. And, and I'm just, I'm really impressed with, with how well you've, you've not just attempted this, but absolutely done it the, the justice that it deserves and given it your own, as, as you sort of alluded to earlier, it was required that you gave it your own stamp and, and you have, and it sounds like the classic songs, but it still somehow sounds like you, even though we've not heard this side of you before you've really knocked it out of the park man and you should be well, thank you very much very proud of yourself and very pleased with yourself i hope you are well thank you so much i appreciate that i hope you can catch one of the one of the sinatra shows when's that next happening over here gosh i hope it's i hope it's sometime next year i mean we've like i said we've only booked through january so um let's get the crews out the way and then we'll see then yeah, yeah. dude if you book them they will come and uh yes I, I am all over it, and uh, yeah, I'll get my best tucks out for the occasion. <laughs> awesome, I appreciate it. <laughs> Art, you're a good man, and uh, yeah, it's been lovely catching up. Thank you for your time, and you. um, Merry Christmas to you. I'm going to say it. I don't yep. care if it's too early. <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Take care, right, buddy. You too. Talk Bye -bye. soon. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light from now on all troubles will be out of sight have yourself a merry little Christmas make the yuletide gay 